So the next speaker that we have is Kim. Kim uh, is a LinkedIn top sales leader. She's also the author of Sell More Faster. She's a web series host, uh, Project Knockout, and president of KO Advantage Group. Uh, she's going to present today the six slide proposal template to sell more faster. So Kim, over to you. Hello and welcome, welcome. I am so excited to be here. Yes, we are going to cover the six slide proposal. So for those of you that are in that B2B high value premium service market, I want to be clear. By providing your clients with more information, doesn't make it easier for them to make a decision. It actually makes it harder. The confused mind will say no. And oftentimes we think the more expensive our product or service needs to be, the more information we need to give. We need to create scopes of work. We need to create contracts. We need to create legalese, massive implementation plans. And that actually will help hinder and delay your sales cycle. So I want to just present the six slide proposal really quickly in a five minute format. I can typically go on for like an hour and a half on this, but you're going to get the quick quick summary, and then I'm happy to take any questions that we have from there. So let me just pull this up. All right. So your six slide proposal, which is going to close your, your six digit deals every single time. How amazing is that? I mean, why, one of the reasons why this was created is because people got confused on what a proposal should be. And a proposal is not, it is not a scope of work. It is not a letter of intention. It is not a contract. It is not any other lengthy word documents. Ultimately what that will do, it will make your, your clients eyes glaze over and be like, oh, I don't want to go through this. This looks like so much work. It looks like a make work project. Maybe when I have the time to go through this, it might be the right time to implement. Do not confuse your proposal with any of these other documents. Your proposal has a very specific place in the sales cycle and therefore it is a selling document. It is there to sell. So your proposal structure in the six slide proposal, I created this back when I worked for Xerox. Now it's like 13 years ago, 14 years ago. It has never failed me. Every single time I have presented any information, whether that was working for Xerox, working for a logistics company, working for American Express. And now we teach our students how to do this. Every single time they're like, we are closing more business because we have completely simplified what we're communicating to our clients. So the first slide in your, your proposal is the overarching goal. This is where does your client want to be in the next three, five, maybe even 10 years from now. This is whether they choose to go with you or not. The reason why this slide is so important is if you get this wrong, I want you to crumple up the rest of your proposal, throw it away, because everything you are going to talk to your client about is complete garbage. If you don't know, if I'm the buyer and you don't know where I want to be as a company in the next three to five years, how is your solution going to support that growth and that goal? The second slide we show is the current state and the consequences of them saying here. I want to be clear. This is not you telling me why I am sucking at what I'm doing, why I will be a failure if I don't take any action. This is rather you asking me a lot of questions and me providing you the information. Here's what we're scared of. Here's what will happen if we don't invest, if we don't change, if we don't grow, we will die. And this is how bad it could be. All I want you to do in this side is to reiterate to your client what they have already told you. Are there fears for why they need to take some type of investment and why they need to grow? 
In the third slide, this is the ideal state. So where the overarching goal gets the client to three years to five years, the ideal state is where will I be six months to a year after I am working with you? I want you to imagine how much better as a client my life is going to be now that I've already implemented your solution. Where do you expect me to be in the next six months to a year after we're already using your software, after we're already using your service, after it's already consistently being built into my system? What it should ultimately do is the ideal state should help to feed in to the goals. If you can help me get a little bit closer to my overall goals, of course I'm going to say yes. Number four, then we can talk about the product or service and how it will support me. Now, one of the reasons why this is a slide deck is because it will force you to make this simple. You cannot create a whole bunch of information on a single slide unless you're choosing to use eight point font. But why would you go ahead and do that? You wanna just focus on the three, four, no more than five, key points, key features, and the benefits it's going to be to me. Number five, this is your closing slide, the timeline. Anyone who ever comes to me and says, Kim, I cannot close my business. I'm not getting the business closed on this. It's usually because they have not clarified the timeline for their client. Where will we be today? What's the next step? What's going to happen immediately after that? Where do we get to the next six months? And then finally, Finally, you go into the client return on investment and what that is. And with the return on investment, this is not what you tell your client what their return on investment is, but rather the questions that you ask them. How will this help support you? How will you know this is the right solution for you? Now, here's the thing. Because you're a high value service provider, stop emailing your proposals. Proposals are the last moment between you are my prospect and you are my client. And if this is your last moment to show me why I should become your proposal, why are you discounting it to the lowest common communication denominator? Listen, I love you so much. I so desperately want you as my client. I'm just going to throw some crap at your email box and hopefully it's enough for you to say yes. Your proposal needs to be a face-to-face -face conversation. Whether you're using Zoom, whether you're using Skype or Citrix or any of those other formulas, I don't care. But we need to deliver the proposal in that way. Okay, this is me. Um, that's actually me on the left. That is my friend, Oprah Winfrey. I am LinkedIn's most influential sales leader to follow, Success Magazine's most inspirational blogger. That is my third book, Sell More Faster. I put a code at the bottom, bit.ly slash book. I'm gifting you. I'm giving you that whole book for free. You can download it, digest it. It goes through the entire sales process beyond just the six-slide proposal. I am also Startup Canada's female entrepreneur I am gonna I'm gonna turn this off now and I'm gonna take your questions wow Kim that was amazing like full-on energy like loved it loved your session so I'll take up the Q&A's okay now the first question that we have is what would be the best growth strategy for a new SaaS product oh great question um, so I mean <laughs> 
Whenever we're talking about any type of software um, as a service, I mean, find your ideal clients and really go with them, right? But don't just tell them why your software is going to be so amazing or how it's going to help them. Come from a place of being genuinely interested. Find out where they want to see automation. Where do they want to actually see their business expand? And then continue to go from there. Anytime a sales cycle fails, it's often because we're spending too much time telling our clients what we need and not enough time understanding what they believe they need first and foremost. The sales cycle will naturally follow after that. Got it, got it. The next question we have is, what about prospects who delays the decision? How to convince them for an early purchase? Yeah. So, I mean, this comes back down to the timeline. And this is one of the reasons why you want to actually understand the timeline as early as possible in your sales cycle and in your questioning. So we talked about the six slide proposal, but you're usually your first meeting. We're going to be doing a lead qualification. Timeline being one of the first things we want to qualify with our clients. And I want to be clear. This is not asking our clients, when do you want to make your decision? That is a terrible question. That's like a essentially asking someone who's showing up to the gym, when do you want to start losing that weight, right? Nobody wants to start losing 10 pounds. They want the 10 pounds to already be gone. And so we want to know why is it important for you? When do you want to have that 10 pounds already gone, right? Or what is coming up for you? In the same as a solution, we want to know when do they want to see this automation already happen? When do you already want to have this? And how will this impact you? We, th we understand where they will be beyond our sale. So if the decision ever gets delayed, we have a reason to come back to them, not because they need to make a decision on the solution, but because they also told us when we're saving our time, we can then go ahead and reinvest this in client engagement, you know, understand getting more resources, um, building up more revenue streams. So we can reproach them and say, how, like, how are you doing building up that revenue stream? What are you doing to be able to continue to grow your business? And it reminds me like, oh yeah, the reason why we were in this conversation is because this was going to help me grow because of these other future focused projects. Got it. Got it. Next question we have is what are the tools that help nail your audience research? Yes. So anytime, so I mean, I, I love, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, right? I love, I love using that. Um, I also love um, using, I mean, there, there are a lot of, of research and, and tools and everything that you can use, but at the end of the day, when you're, whether you're starting a business, whether you're brand new to a territory, you're already working for them, get really laser focused on who you want to be targeting. I don't want you going after everybody in like North America. Oh, anyone in the world who has a business to business service could be our client. That is essentially like trying to build an entire net to cover the entire ocean and saying, I hope I catch some really quality fish. I want you to target your list of 100. Who are your ideal clients? Who are the people in that list of 100 that if you got them, everything else would follow. After that, that becomes a subset. Allow those people to come to you or continue to market to them, but don't spend your energy outbound calling them. Go after the cream of the crop, the top echelon, focus on them and everything else will follow. Because when you get 1%, 10% of those people, whew, you're good. And everything else is going to help support your business. Right, right. Next question we have is how do you tackle when the objectives change after the proposal face to face? 
So, I mean, great question. Companies are going to change. Businesses are going to change their priorities. I mean, I don't know if anyone's lived under a rock, right? But I mean, we've had like in the last 90 days, companies had one priority in February. Come March, priorities immediately shifted. This is going to happen. Embrace it. Don't try to take your client back to where they were in February. I know, customer, you said in February this is really important, so it needs to be important today. No. Instead of that, ask them a lot of questions and be like, how does your priority shift still support this growth? How are you still looking to build your business, your client base, your revenue streams? And see if you can reconnect at that point. Now, let's be clear. Timing is everything. And I would much rather you go ahead, if the client just says the timing is just not right right now, go ahead and ask them when is the right time to reconnect with them, as opposed to trying to force it down. Because all you're going to end up doing is you're going to leave a bad taste in the client's mouth. They're not going to want to deal with you in the future. But ask a lot of questions. Find out if there's an opportunity for you to continue to work together, because oftentimes there is. But we need the client's collaboration with us to figure that out. Got it. Got it. Next question we have is, how are you tweaking your pitch to sell during these testing times? Yeah, so am I tweaking my pitch? I don't think I am. And I don't think a lot of companies need to tweak their pitch. I think at the end of the day, we're seeing a lot of companies that are still interested in growing. They're still interested in finding more revenue. One of the things that we do in, in our sales program, KO Sales U, is we get our clients to understand, our students to understand how is your product or service going to help someone grow their business? How are you ultimately going to help me get more revenue? revenue, get more profit, achieve more clients. If you can get that clear, the rest of it will never matter. Because unless your only pitch is, I help you save time, money, energy, which a lot of people do, right? A lot of people stop their pitch there. If you are going to save me time, how am I as a customer going to reinvest that time, right? And if you don't know the answer to that, ask them, find out how they will reinvest that time. Ultimately continue to ask them the questions. How will you reinvest that? How will you use this time savings? How will you use this money savings? Where are you going to invest it? Until you get them to a point where they say, yes, this is how my company will grow. When you get there, just he just create your, your pitch. Essentially, my product helps you gain more revenue, gain more cash flow, gain more business, and you'll never have to change your pitch ever again. Right. So what is the average customer retention rate currently in the global markets in any niche? I have no idea. Hopefully the other person <laughs> I mean, I, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it depends, right? I mean, and it's, I don't even think it's, you can talk by an industry wide. I think you really need to like, I mean, this is a customer by customer basis. I could offer you an exceptional product, but if my customer experience sucks, nobody's going to stay with me, despite the fact that I'm in a very, you know, secure business. I think people are constantly looking to change, constantly looking to improve. And so if you're trying to capture clients from, you know, a businesses that are treating their clients really well, the question you need to ask yourself is how can I treat them even better? What are they not offering? And perhaps you can carve out maybe more of a boutique offering, maybe something very specific. But one of the things that we can do as service providers, as product providers better than anyone else, is not say we provide exceptional customer service. 
but rather we provide exceptional customer service for this specific segment of clients and target yourself on that. Oftentimes that's very specific segment of clients is enough to grow your business. And then from there you can grow. Airbnb did this. They didn't just start by saying, we're going to offer hotel services right across all of the world. They started by saying the very specific niche we want to go after are people that were so desperate to go to a conference when every single hotel is set, uh, is sold out that they're literally willing to sleep on someone's air mattress in the living room. There's a very small segment of people that are willing to do that. They started there, they focused on that, and then eventually grew to become the juggernaut that they are today. Right. I think this next question also relates to somehow that, but if you want to add something to this, how can one sell a product even if the product is not as polished as their competitors? Yeah. So, I mean, number one, focus, focus on what you are good at. You can, there, there is a certain psychology to um, let people know the negatives ahead of time. And I think that there is very valuable, especially when you are segmenting who your ideal clients are. This does not work for this type of client or we, this type of client is not going to get that type of result. It actually helps you to build rapport and trust with your clients. But the other thing you can possibly do is then really speak to your level of customer service. You know, in the event that it's not as polished, are you there if I need you? Most clients, that's ultimately the biggest objection that they have is if something happens, will you be there for me? And if you can make me feel secure that you will be there for me, I am more than happy to go with somebody whose product might not be perfect because I trust that when I need them, they're only a phone call away. Got it. Got it. So which is better approaching a prospect via LinkedIn or via email? I mean, they're, they're both the same. Um, so, I mean, ultimately when you can get to the phone, but uh, where we're LinkedIn versus email, the other, the idea behind this is, I mean, why not try both meet clients where they are and where they like to be met. There's going to be some people that prefer to have e email as their method of communication. There's going to be others that prefer to have LinkedIn as their method of communication. At the end of the day, this isn't just trying to create so much ambiguity or so much mystery that we're trying to get somebody to be convinced to say yes, but rather, Hey, this is what we do. This is how we help. Are you interested in learning more? And by asking them, are you interested in learning more? You're going to find that out. Now, let's be honest. Sales is still a numbers game. Play your numbers, but watch them. If you're sending off a hundred LinkedIn messages and a hundred emails, and you're getting less than 1% of the people saying yes, chances are it has more to do with the message that you're trying to convey versus the mode of communication that you're using. Got it. Got it. So next question we have is from Kiran. He asks, should profile and portfolio be a part of sales proposal? Should, should a profile of a portfolio be a part of a sales proposal? No. What, how does that, how does that serve me? Um, as a client, I mean, I, I'm less interested in who you've worked with and more interested in how you're going to work with me. You know, I mean, if I was hiring somebody, I mean, there was a great story about like one of the world's best copywriters who's available in the world. I mean, he's just kind of gone on his own. Am I really interested in knowing what his business has done more than I am in his experience or, you know, what he will be able to do for my business? 
unless you, unless the client has specifically said, I need to see who else you've worked with. Now, objection, that, that type of referral or testimonial tells me that they don't quite understand the value that you're getting to them. But like, um, I, I, I don't see how that serves. Your port profile or your portfolio should typically come before the proposal, not at the time of the proposal. One of the things about the proposal is that no new information should be presented at this time. And if you are presenting new information at your proposal, you are not ready to propose because the proposal should be a summary of everything we have discussed up till this point. Next question is a pretty interesting one, actually. How important is it for a sales rep to have his or her own personal brand? I think that would be the last question for this session. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, have your own personal brand. I, I think more so about having your own personal brand, it has more to do with where are you planning on going in the future, right? Are you planning on staying with that company forever or are you planning to work towards new companies, different companies, start your own company? company, in which case then a personal brand is important. It's who you stand for. It's where your values are. That will carry with you regardless of which company or which role you're in. So I think it is important to be able to say, yes, this is who I am and I'm proud of it. And I'm willing to wear it as a badge of honor. It will ultimately help to attract even better opportunities, more opportunities, and help you grow your personal business in the long run. Got it. Okay, a very small question. Uh, yeah. from the uh, so you have to pick only one. Okay, uh, yes. what will you pick? Phone, email, LinkedIn, content, or events? E uh, phone, phone every phone. single time. Phone okay. every single time. And the reason why I say phone every single time is that. If, if I can get on the phone with somebody, I can do what I can do in a 15 minute conversation will drive a relationship far further than what I could do in trying to draft an email for 15 minutes or even literally 15 email exchanges, trying to get, you know, a, a networking event and hoping that I'm going to ultimately pick the needle in the haystack. That is where I want to go. Or just hoping that I'm going to put out a piece of information that the right person at the right time in their stage of the buying cycle is going to need. I am always about the relationship first and foremost. And even if the client says no, or it's not the right time or anything else like this, I have now sparked a relationship that I can go back to three months, six months, a year plus down the road that in all honesty, I can't replicate with any other method. Got it. So, okay. The one last question is, uh, should I only do outbound if I'm working uh, with B2B people? If I'm reaching out to yeah. Should I only do outbound? Well, no. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of the two. If you, if you choose to only seek what you're looking for, when somebody is looking for you, how do they know where to go? I mean, I have been able to grow my business, you know, even with some inbound approaches. And so I think there's a nice combination between the two. But I do believe that you need to have an outbound strategy. You need to be clear what that process is. You need to be clear on what that is. Because at the end of the day, if you're not going to go after the business, all you're doing is you're hurrying up and you're waiting. You're aggressively waiting for your phone to ring. And that does not put you in control of your own destiny. You are the person that's ultimately going to be responsible for getting the revenue. So you need to do something to make it happen.
Okay, Kim. Thank you so much for the session. It was very, very, very good, and I loved it. Uh, thank you so thank much you. for joining us. Hope to see you again in the upcoming B two B binge event. Thank you very much. Have a good thank one. Thank you. Hey, thank you for watching the recording. Do check us out at Ambers B two B binge for more such killer content. Also, don't forget to go to www.amplus.com and book your free demo for Ambers Enterprise version to rate your next customer.